My own? There I am. Okay. If you would just turn to Psalm 29. We're going to pray before we get started. Listen to all these songs that we've been singing this morning, and uh, I started thinking, did they have a, was there a camera in my house to this week while I was studying this weekend, you know, and I thought, man, because those songs could not have been any more appropriate than what we're going to be looking at this morning. Um, before we get started, let's, uh, let's pray. Oh God of heaven and earth, God, we ask you that you would, you would come down and do a work in our hearts today. The God who came down in the person of Jesus Christ, who because of Him, for those who are in Him, we have no condemnation. We ask that Your grace would be abundant right now. That God, I'd only be a mouthpiece to speak Your Word. That God, people today would hear a word from God. That God, You do a great work. That Holy Spirit, You'd come down and revive our hearts. To lift up the God of heaven and earth in praise. Not just in this building, but when we leave. To lift You up before men. That You might be honored. That God, our hearts would beat with the praise for You and Your Son. O oh God, owner of the church, Savior of the body, I just pray that today, in Your Word, You would speak to our hearts. That God, You show Yourself to be great and greatly to be praised. And that God, our hearts would be convicted, that we be brought low, knowing that we are nothing but dust. But God, knowing also that we've been saved by the God of the universe, that we have a personal relationship with the God who created all things through Your Son, Jesus Christ. And that our hearts today might well up with praise, might be filled up to the point to where we cannot keep it in, but that it gushes out in a way that honors You. So God, I just pray You do a work that You speak through me, that I would be out of the way and that You would be glorified. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Psalm 29 says, Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory do His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. 
The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in His temple all cry, Glory! The, the Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as King forever. May the Lord give strength to His people. May the Lord bless His people with peace. We're going to go to Psalm 96 here in just a moment, but I want to make some comments about this Scripture here. And in Psalm 96, it's going to say some similar things. It's going to ask the people to ascribe to the Lord the glory that is due His name. As David, King David is looking out probably into the valley, onto the Mediterranean, and he sees a storm coming. And if you've ever been maybe on the beach somewhere and looked out on the water and saw a big storm coming that way, seen the lightning and the thunder, heard the thunder, and how awesome of a sight it is. And so we see David looking out on the storm and he sees it coming in. And for David, this is not an opportunity just to see something that nature's done and to admire it. But it's an opportunity to see that and, and to know and to recognize that God is over the storm. That this is one part of nature that speaks of the glory of God. And so as he sees this, he sees an opportunity to speak of that, to encourage the people to also ascribe to the Lord this glory and to give His people strength. Because if you remember the people of Israel were always in some trouble with their neighbors around them, always being threatened, trying to one nation trying to besiege them, to take over. Many times they were weak in their faith, weak in strength, and He wants to strengthen them. Let them know that God rules and reigns over all His creation. And so He asked the heavenly beings, the, those angels that are before God all the time praising His name to ascribe to the Lord glory and strength, to ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Some of your translations may say give to the Lord. And that's misleading because we do not give God anything. God is glorious. God is worthy of praise. Ascribe is probably a better word because it gives you the real meaning. And that is you recognize the glory that He already has. And you tell of it. You declare it. And He's asking those angels that are before Him, praise Him at all times. Singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He's asking him to ascribe this glory to His name. To worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. And he says, the voice of the Lord, talking of the thunder, is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. And I just want to, for a moment, if you can, in your mind, think of yourself being there as David in the congregation. looking with, And you've seen these storms before. You know what they're like. Maybe they were there with him when he was when he began to compose this psalm. And God laid it on his heart. Think of being there as he reads it. In your mind, seeing the storm, and he says, The God of glory thunders the Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. And the voice of the Lord is full of majesty. As you see the lightning bolts come down in the great storm, one after another, and you hear the booming thunder, and you think of God. And you think of His voice. And you, maybe, maybe their mind went back to Mount Sinai when God came down on the mountain. And what did they hear? Thunderings and lightnings. 
And great fear and dread came upon the people. And they said, we don't want Him to speak to us anymore. Moses, you go up on the mountain and you speak to God and come down. So majestic. Verse 5 says, And the voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. And this would mean, this would mean a lot to the people of Israel. Because as he list, they listened to David, they would think of the, the cedars of Lebanon. The cedars that, that many of the buildings of God were made from. That these trees sometimes can grow to be 150 foot tall. 40 foot in circumference. Very hard, precious wood. Matter of fact, most of the, a lot of the temple that Solomon made was made from the cedars of Lebanon. Great and mighty trees. And back then, the forest, the forest would have been a lot greater than they are today. And so, always when you see the cedars of Lebanon, when it talks about those, those cedars, matter of fact, there's one part in the Scriptures that says that those are the trees of God because of they're recognized for their strength. That's what they were, a symbol of strength. And I think in Jeremiah, the Word of God talks about how God compares the stiff-necked person the person who's arrogant and proud in their own self, he compares them to cedars and talks about he will break them. They think they're strong, but they're not strong compared to God. And that's what he, that's what he sees here. He says the Lord breaks the cedars. And you can see the lightning as it goes down and, and breaks the cedars. He says he makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. As God just breaks those, as the lightning comes down and, and, it, and it breaks those, and those trees in half. I know we had a tree in our yard that was struck by lightning. And I went out there and I said, man, this is, I've, never been that, I've never been that close to one you know, that had been done that way. It was incredible. It was a big pine tree and it struck and it made a line all the way down it. And it blew out parts of the ground where it came out. I mean, big holes that weren't there before. And of course, it killed the tree. And I thought, man, that is incredible. And here David wants to say, no, he breaks them. This lightning was striking these great trees of Lebanon and just splintering them, just breaking them in half. And I'm sure as David saw them bow, he just thought of the power of God. And he says, The voice of the Lord flashes flames of fire, once again describing the lightning he's seeing. And the voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in His temple all cry glory. And he says, the Lord sits enthroned over the flood. And I think they're not necessarily the flood that we think of in Genesis, but the flood of the waters. The deluge coming down as, as, it's, as great rains are coming down in this, this storm and flooding the place and filling up the rivers. He says, the Lord sits enthroned over this. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to His people. May the Lord bless the, His people with peace. And so the people will be encouraged by this. The people would be strengthened by this to know that God is enthroned over all things. That just as He is enthroned over something we can't control. Storms that can come in and devastate things just like that. And we know that very well in the last couple years in our land as one storm after another has come in. Think about Katrina. Cannot be controlled. It comes in and, and trees, no matter how great they are, buildings, no matter how great they are, the work of man's hand, it doesn't matter. It can all be swept away in a matter of seconds. Because God is great, but God sits enthroned over all of these storms. 
And He wants the people to know that. Something that nobody can control. Nobody can control. God controls it. If He can control that, they have nothing to fear from any of the nations around them. That He will give them strength. And He will give us strength also. And I want you to turn to Psalm 96, if you would. It says something similar. Starting in the middle of the passage. Starting with verse 7, it says the same thing. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord glory, the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. And now He's not calling heavenly beings to come and do this. But now He's calling all the families of all the earth. All the nations come and ascribe to the Lord the glory that is due His name. Recognize that God deserves all the glory. That He is glorious. His name should be glorified. But I want to take you back to the first of this before we get to that. And it says, O sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Do we sing? Does your heart sing when you, when you think of God? When you think of your Lord, does your heart sing? Does it sing to such a point that you must sing with your mouth about God? Is He so majestic in your sight that you must sing? Because He's calling them to sing. And He says, bless His name. Bless the name of the Lord. Paul said in Ephesians that... I just want to read it just to make sure I don't get it wrong because I don't don't want to miss any of this. In that great passage in Ephesians, Ephesians 1, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ Jesus with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And then it goes on to talk about the rest of it. And y'all have all read that 1 through 14. That great passage of our salvation is before the foundation of the world. Blessed be the God. Blessed be His name. Psalm 103 says this. Verses 1 through 5 say, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Does your soul want to bless the Lord? Does it want God to be magnified? It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Starting at verse 10, he says, He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love toward those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does He remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear Him. For He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. God should be blessed. Our soul should bless the Lord 
For He has not remembered our transgressions, but He has forgiven us our transgressions. We ought to bless His name all the time. Do we bless His name? Do we lift Him up on high? Do we have such a compelling desire in our hearts because of His forgiveness of us that we want to bless His name? That before others, before all the nations, before anybody that we're around, we want to lift Him up and let people know that our God does not remember our sins, that He reigns. But even though He reigns and He should send us to hell forever, He does not because He loves us like children. We are His children. We should bless His name. Then He says, Tell of His salvation from day to day. Psalm 71. Psalm 71 talks about, In You, Lord, I do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In Your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline Your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of refuge to which I may continually come to You and Come, you have given the command to, to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Rescue me, O my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and cruel man, for you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon you I have leaned from before my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb, my praise and continually in you. So tell his of his salvation constantly, all the time. From day to day, he says, tell of his salvation. He says, declare his glory among the nations. And that's what we should do. Declare his glory among the nations. We have the unique opportunity, the privilege, to be able to tell of his glory. As I prayed this morning... I just had to confess, Lord, I don't do this. Or this is not my heart. I don't necessarily just want to sing about you all the time. I don't necessarily just want to tell, bless your name and tell of your salvation from day to day. Declare your glory among the nations. Your marvelous works among all the peoples. I don't want to do that all the time. That's not my heart. And as David, I had to say, I had to confess my sin and say, Lord, give me a clean heart. Give me a clean heart and then transgressors will be saved. Then I will tell them and they will be saved. God, give me in my heart a praise for you that I don't have to manufacture a a witness. That I don't have to manufacture because I know that's what I'm supposed to do to tell people of the gospel. I don't have to manufacture that in my heart try to pull myself up by the bootstraps and do that. But God, reveal yourself to me in such a way that I cannot help it, that I cannot hold back, but my heart is so filled that I must tell somebody about it. I must tell people about my God and that He reigns in heaven and on earth. For it says, Declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous works among all the peoples. Psalm 111 says this, Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. 
Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in Him, delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is His work, and His righteousness endures forever. He has caused His wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear Him. He remembers His covenant forever. He has shown His people the power of His works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of His hands are faithful and just. All His precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to His people. He has commanded His covenant forever. Holy and awesome is His name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. In 105, verses 1 through 11 say, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the peoples. Sing to Him. Sing praises to Him. Tell of all His wondrous works. Glory in His holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord in His strength. Seek His presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that He has done, His miracles and the judgments He uttered. O offspring of Abraham, His servant, who we are according to Galatians, we are the offspring of Abraham. His servant, children of Jacob, His chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers His covenant forever. The word that He commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant that He made with Abraham, His sworn promise to Isaac, which He confirmed to Jacob as a statute, to Israel as an everlasting covenant, saying, To you I will give the land of Canaan as your portion for inheritance. And if you read Hebrews, we know that we look for that land. Not a land here that you can put your foot on. But we look for that place of rest as God's children. As the Israel of God, we look for that rest. That city that is not made with the hands of man, but the city that is made by God Himself for us. And we should be in His presence continually. Oh, that God would bless us to be in His, His presence so continually all the time that our, our lives would shine so much that it would be as Moses when he came down from the mountain his face glowed that the people could not stand the sight of his face because it was so glorious that they were crushed because of their sin when he came down that our lives would shine so much that way that people would see our good works and glorify our father who is in heaven as Christ said that we would be in his presence so continually that when we are around people that they see God's glory and not ours. And he says, For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. Jeremiah 10 says it, talks about the making of the gods of the people. And Israel, like us, was constantly tempted to grab onto those idols to take the worthless idols that could not speak, made with the hands of men, and to worship them, and to say, this is our God. And he says that 
He is to be feared above all gods. Spurgeon said that even if the gods were true gods, they would not compare to our God. Even if they were true gods, which they are not, they would not compare to the true God. For He is infinitely powerful. He is infinitely greater than they are. And so He is to be feared above all them. Feared with a holy fear. Jesus said, Do not fear man who can only kill the body. He said, Fear God who can kill the body and the soul in hell forever. There's to be a healthy, holy dread of our God who is in heaven. To fear Him and know that He is powerful. I'm going to read you this quote from Spurgeon talking about this. I thought this was so good. He says, Other gods have been worshipped at great cost and with much fervor by their blinded votaries. But Jehovah should be adored with far greater reverence. Even if the graven images had been gods that could not have been they had been gods, they could not have been born comparison for an instant with the God of Israel. And therefore his worship should be far more zealous than any which has been rendered to them. He is to be feared, for there is cause to fear. Dread of other gods is mere superstition. Awe of the Lord is pure religion. Holy Fear is the beginning of the graces, and yet it is the accompaniment of the highest range. Fear of God, listen to this statement, fear of God is the blush upon the face of holiness enhancing its beauty. Fear of God is the blush upon the face of holiness enhancing its beauty. It says, For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Genesis says, Our God made the heavens and the earth in the beginning. In the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth. Their gods made nothing. I think of Elijah. It brings me back to Elijah. In that he, he challenged all the bell worshippers. And they cut themselves. And they hollered out loud to their God and screamed and got louder, cut themselves more, and danced around, and tried to invoke their God to come down and burn the altar. And all Elijah had to do was say a simple prayer to his God. And fire rained down and burned it to the ground. Not just the water, but the stones. There was nothing left to prove that day to Israel once and for all that our God reigns. Their gods are nothing. At best, they're demons impersonating gods. At best. But our God reigns. Splendor and majesty are before Him. Strength and beauty are in His sanctuary. Psalm 8. says at the beginning and the end, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. 
And at the end it says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. It is majestic. He calls the people to sing and to declare, to tell of his salvation. For he says, Our God is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared. That all those idols are worthless, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 8. That an idol is nothing. It is nothing. But we have we serve the God who made the heavens, that created all things. And we know that splendor and majesty are before Him. Strength and beauty are in His sanctuary. And then it comes to verse 7 and says, Ascribe, recognize the glory of your God, O families, all the nations, recognize this. Scribe to the Lord glory and strength. God, you have all the glory and all the strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory that is due His name, because it is only due to Him and nobody else. He said, I will not share my glory with another. I will not do it. I will not share my glory with nobody else. Bring an offering and come into His courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. We should worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Of course, it means holy attire. You could say it that way. But this is not this is not clothing that God's looking for. This is a holy, a holy heart, a holy life. But we know that in Christ, we can come before God in holiness, because we know His holiness was perfect when ours is not, and we are clothed. We are in Christ, so we can come before God in holiness. But it's more than that. Because He wants us to worship in spirit and truth. He wants us to worship in that holiness as, as Peter said. Be holy as God is holy. That's what He said. He told the people. He said, in all your conduct, be holy. We want to come before the God in, before God in holiness. And we will tremble before Him all the earth. He asked the people to tremble. He asked all the earth that you should tremble before Him. It's so funny to me that... It's really not funny. It's kind of sickening, really. But I think about some of the things you see on TV, some of the things you hear people say about God. I think about some of the things that I've said. And I can think about some ways, maybe some um, light ways that I've talked about the Lord. And I think about some of the things you hear people say on TV about God and about our Lord Jesus. And I think, where is the fear? Where is the holy fear of that in God? Do they not know who they stand before? And we want to take our God and we say, well, because... He came in Christ. We know there's no condemnation as we just sang. We, we heard that Scripture read. And we think that our God has come and, and now He... We can, we're His friend and we are. Those who know Him are the friend of God. We're friends with Christ. But His name and His holiness has not changed. 
He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. John on the island of Patmos had a revelation of, of Christ. He did not say when he saw Christ, well, how's it going? Hey, bud, how's it going? It's good to see you again, Jesus. You got something you want to tell me? He said when he, he heard all these things and he saw these things, he said when he turned to see who it was, he fell as a dead man. And it took Christ putting his hand on John and saying, it's me. Don't fear, John. It's me. He didn't say, well, you don't have to do that anymore, John. You don't have to fear me anymore like that. You know, you don't have to have that holy... Don't, don't worry about that anymore. Me and you are buds, you know, and you're my apostle, and we're just going to hang out here, and I've got some more revelation I want to give you. The correct response was exactly what John did. Falling on his face as a dead man. And then Christ touches him as He should us. As Spurgeon said, it's the blush of holiness, the fear of God is, a true fear. And we should do the same. And it sickens me to see people make such, um, you know, make such light of the Word of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. We surely are the friends of God and of Christ. But He is glorious. And we should ascribe that glory that is due His name. Say among the nation, the Lord reigns. Verse 10. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the people with equity. God's not have any partiality in judgment. And we wait for that judgment. We long for that. But while we're here, we should say to the nations, the Lord reigns. Some people may think, well, no, that's not really the message. The message is that God wants to save them and that God wants to, um, you know, that, you know, Eric, if you go in there and say reign, if you start telling people that God reigns, that kind of comes, that kind of so, you know, that you're kind of giving them the Old Testament God, you know, that comes in and, you know, He takes the people and He, you know, He went and destroyed all those people and moved them out of the land to give it to Israel. And so that will scare people. You know, you don't want to tell them that it rains. No, God does rain. And that's exactly what they need to know. Jesus said when He approached people in the first of His ministry, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's right here. Repent. And that's the same message we take. We take that you need to repent. That the Lord reigns. That His kingdom is established forever. That He does rule. He rules over all things, over the heaven and earth. And He has a message for you. That He is King over all things and you should repent. You should repent from worshiping your gods. And we think, well, we don't do like they did. We don't make gods and do that. Nobody, I mean, some, a few cultures do, but we don't do that. Sure we do. Sure we do. When we're shining our nice new car or when we're, um, you know, you can go on. When we have this friend that our whole life revolves around, that um, um, we have this, you know, the newest gadget, newest clothes, 
newest this, newest that, all the other things. And it becomes our God. Most of all, especially for Americans, we worship ourselves. Maybe the nations that still worship idols are in better shape than we are. Because now we've said, we who are the zenith of God's creation, and we are of God's creation, we are the zenith of God's creation. Americans have taken that kind of statement and said, we are the zenith. And that's the end of their sentence. We are it. They don't even look, we don't even look to any gods. Especially to the, to the one true God. We are the zenith. We are it. We need nobody. We are independent. And we should say that the Lord reigns. He would judge the people with equity. That's exactly what Paul preached in Acts. When he went to the people in Athens, he said that God has raised up Christ from the dead and He's coming back to judge. That was His message. That was His gospel. He set a day to judge through the man, the one man, Christ Jesus. And He's going to come back and judge the world. But this is not something to fear for us who know Him. And for those who do not know Him, we should tell them they have hope that the Lord does reign, but that He wants to reign in the hearts of men. He's come to save sinners. He's come to save sinners. And He wants to reign in their heart. His kingdom to be in their heart and their life. And they can be forgiven of their sins that He does forgive sins. That they should repent. Bow the knee to God. Confess that they, are, that they have sinned against Him and believe in the Gospel. That His King, that He is the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords. Because that is the Gospel. That He rules over all things. That there is forgiveness of sin. And that He shows no partiality. He judges the world in equity. He's not going to judge one, one group of people better than the other. He's not going to say, well, I like these, this group of people better than this group of people. No. He's going to judge all the nations, Jews and Gentiles alike, with no partiality. judgment will be either that you know my Son, that you've repented of your sin, you believe in my Son, Jesus Christ, or you do not. Regardless of what your ethnicity is. It says, let the heavens be glad, and we should be glad. Let all the heavens be glad, and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exalt and everything is it. And David just says, let, let, let everything fields and water and everything that God's created, let it rejoice. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for He comes. For He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in faithfulness. It's going to be a righteous judgment. It's going to be a faithful judgment. And He is coming and for us. 
We are looking forward to that coming. We want to see God come. We're ready for Christ to come back and judge the world and to bring us into His presence forever. Revelation This should be our heartbeat as we think about the coming of the Lord. Starting with verse 6, it says, And He said to me, These, are the word, these are words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent His angel to show His servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book, worship God. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evil evildoers still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy. And the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay everyone for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so they may have the right to the tree of life, that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexual immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and descendant of David, the bright morning star. The Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires to take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plague described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which is described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. And that should be our heartbeat, that we say, Come, Lord Jesus. Come back now and judge. Not tomorrow, not in the next minute, but now, today. And Psalm 96 encourages us that while we wait on that, anticipating that, that we should be singing a new song. We should be singing to the Lord, blessing His name, telling of His salvation day to day, declaring His glory. First Peter says this. This is the way it describes us. describes us as one those people that are a holy nation a special people here to proclaim the praises of him who saved us that's who we are we're a holy nation we are a special people, a chosen priesthood to declare the praises of Him 
who bought us, who saved us, who redeemed us. It's the same now as it, the same call is now as it was for them, the children of Israel back in Psalm 96. Same call. That we might proclaim the praises. And I think that's so lost. I know it's lost in my life. I can speak for me at least. I can speak for me that that's lost. That what I find myself doing is it's become so mechanical every day. Well, what I'm supposed to be doing is sharing the gospel. What I'm supposed to be doing is some good works. This is, this is what Christians do. Going to church. And then you read the Psalms and you just think, this is totally different than, than what I'm doing. This is a totally different attitude. This is a totally different call. Is the call different? No, it's not any different. Matter of fact, we have more revelation than they did. Now Christ has come. Now, according to Romans, His Spirit has been poured into our hearts. Now we have our, our Spirit has been made to say, Abba, Father. And so I, just start, I start wondering, it's no different. It's the same. We're to proclaim, proclaim the praises of Him who saved us. We're a royal priesthood. I'm a royal, part of that royal priesthood. I'm one of the chosen. I'm, I'm one of those who's been set aside to do this. That's the witness that we give to the world. He said that, that's what Jesus said, let them see your good works. Let your light so, so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. It's more than just, what impact would it make if not only were we just going around and giving a mechanical gospel, which is not a bad thing. God can save through any, any presentation of the gospel. But what happens when His people are revived? What happens when your heart is so swelled with the praise of God that when you're around people, no matter where you're at, you must sing, you must talk of the praise of your God. You must talk about His glory and share that with people, no matter who you're around. You must tell them how glorious and splendor Jesus Christ is. And that you know this God personally because He came and died for you. Saved you. And made you and gave you the privilege to be able to tell of His wonderful grace. What would people think then? Oh, they might, they might think that we're crazy. I'm sure. But they would, they, would not, they would not be able to question the fact that something is different. Something, not that we should go to church. No, there's something different. You don't go around it and exalt and praise in something that hasn't changed your life. You just don't do it. You just don't do it. And they would know that it's different. They would know that it's real. They would know that that is what consumes you. And that's what I prayed. I prayed this morning. I said, God, that's what I want. I want to be consumed. Consumed by Your presence. I want to be consumed by who You are. So much that I cannot restrain myself. I must tell people of how glorious You are. And that's what I pray that all the people here would do. I pray that all of us as a church body would be so consumed that we must talk 
of our God. We must speak of Him. We must declare His glory among all people. Let's pray. Father, I ask You, I ask that You do a work that God, even at this moment right now, that Your Spirit would come down and revive us. That God, true revival would happen. That Your people would be...